know that the Word of God never returns void. Amen? And so being in the Word of God is pretty, pretty critically important. And as we've been working towards for seven weeks now, what time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? I mean, for seven weeks we've been looking at spiritual warfare, and really we started with six biblical truths. Today, as I promised last week, and I'm going to actually, we're going to, I'm actually going to honor that promise. We are going to get into Ephesians that begins to talk about the full armor of God. Because we've been using that passage to give us guidance. Ephesians 6, starting uh, in verse 10. Now we're going to go into the rest of the verses that follow that to not only give us guidance, but we are going to get some of the how-to's relative to this full armor of God that we're familiar with from a theological point of view, but I wonder if we're familiar with it from a practical point of view. And uh, before we go there, of course, we're gonna, we, have to, we have to review because we must. And so there are six biblical truths that have led us to this point. Do you remember what they are? One... There is an invisible world. Two. We are. Well, that's one of them. I'm going to make. I'm going to force you to do them in order, though. Oh, sorry. <laughs> There's an invisible world. We, as believers, are involved in an invisible war. It is war. We have a formidable enemy. We must respect that enemy, but never fear. Never fear the enemy. We know that the war, the spiritual war, is already won. However, the battles rage on. And then, of course, lastly, we know that we fight from victory. And not for it. We are fighting the spiritual battles from a position of victory. Not for the victory. And so there's a huge difference. And we addressed that just a little bit last week. And we're going to kind of finish up with that thought this week before we move on. We look at those six biblical truths and yet we struggle. So the question is... Well, if you've already won the war, and if you fight from a position of victory, not for it, why do you struggle? Why do we... And what is struggle? We have a formidable enemy that doesn't give up. Ever. And he's got... He's got uh, not only is he formidable, but he's, he's got uh, quite an army. So the next time you say, man, I'm really struggling with something, think about it in terms of a wrestling match and your opponent. If you allow your opponent to get the better of you, he is going to pin you to the floor with the objective of not letting you up. It is hand-to-hand combat. That's what struggle means. That's the definition of the spiritual battles that we will deal with until Jesus comes. Amen? So we know that we're in this hand-to-hand combat, and we know that John 10.10, by the way, you'll notice that you don't have a handout tonight with you. 
43 scripture references that I usually use, right? <laughs> and I didn't want to give a handout tonight because I want you, if you want to, make a note of the scripture references. We are going to focus on Ephesians because we are going to deal with tonight the beginning of what is what is the armor of God, the full armor of God. As it's listed, Mike asked a question a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to start the answer tonight. We're not going to finish it, but we're going to start it. But we know in John 10.10, 10, it says this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So we know what the enemy's motive is. We know exactly what, what he's all about. So when you're struggling and it's a spiritual battle, you're doing spiritual battle with the thief that has come to steal and kill and to destroy. He wants nothing more than to destroy us. He hates everything about what we're doing here tonight. And I like that. I like the fact that he hates what we do. There's not a problem with that. We should do more of it. Always. And he will be upset. Always. You see, because he doesn't spend much time with those that are at the pool hall. Because they're already where he wants them to be. So he is after believers. Because he is all about opposing God and his program and his church. Amen? C.S. Lewis said, if you remember this quote from a couple of weeks ago, that the danger is to either put way too much emphasis on this spiritual warfare or way too little. And we've surveyed a couple of times, and I think we all agree that we probably have put way too little thought and emphasis in our spiritual walk in the area of spiritual warfare. And I think that we would all agree with C.S. Lewis's commentary that we've just put too little emphasis on spiritual warfare. And it's no wonder we have all kinds of problems. We're faced with these problems and we try to deal with them, what? In our strength. That's our first, often, that is our first modus operandi. I got this. I can take care of it. Yeah, and that's the first mistake because you can't. And scripture is very clear. And we're going to see that in Ephesians about being strong in the Lord and His mighty power. It's not ours. It's not yours. If you try, if you try to deal with the problems that are rooted in evil, that are spiritual in nature, and you attempt to address them in your own strength, you're done before you get started. So your struggle, you start on the mat. You're already on the mat. So why do we do that? No, that's a question. Why do we do that? Why do we start to deal with the issues in our life by thinking that we can handle it ourselves? Right. Pride. And what else? We think in the flesh, and even thinking in the flesh is a derivative of, of the pride. And we know that Satan fell the eyes in Isaiah. He had the six eyes. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's all about opposing God and wanting to be God. And they all started with I. I love. Anytime you're thinking in the first person singular, I, 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 stop. Because you're just about to be in a wrestling match and you're going to be on the ground. The enemy has you where he wants you when you start with I. You can't start there. So the question then is, or the problem is, 
that there are two competing views in the world. Right? There is a biblical worldview and there is a secular worldview. There are two competing worldviews. Okay? What's the difference? Hmm. One's true and one's false. Okay, one's true and one's false. Which is which? Well, the biblical worldview is true. Oh, I thought you might say that. Okay, so the biblical worldview is true and the secular worldview is false. If you had to try to wrap some terms around the secular worldview, what is it about the, the view that is outside of the Bible? What, what words could you use to describe a secular worldview? Excuse me? Feeling good. Feeling good or feelings driven. Okay, that's good. What else? Self-righteousness. Self-righteous in terms of the secular worldview. That's good. What else? Self, 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 I, I, I. Yeah, very good. Okay, so a secular worldview also is quite temporary versus a biblical worldview that is eternal. Eternal, exactly right. And, of course, a secular worldview is quite relative, isn't it? It's relative to how you feel, and it's relative to the truth. Now, Brenda's truth might be different than my truth. That's what the world would try to tell you. But when Brenda and I have a biblical worldview, we know that our truth is the same, isn't it? Because it is a biblical truth. It doesn't change. And so, biblical worldview is eternal. It's true. Does everybody believe that? Not you guys. I mean, does everybody believe that? No. No, of course not. Of course not. And so we have these competing views, and these are important things to consider when we start to take a look at how we're going to address putting on the full armor of God to deal with the spiritual battles that are taking place. My guess is, in a, in a group this size, there are a multiplicity of spiritual battles that are going on in individual lives in this room, as we speak. That's my guess. Okay. So the next question is, how do you view the world? Careful. Don't throw out the Sunday school answer. I want you to think about this for a second. How do you view the world? Take it personal. We just talked about two competing worldviews. Do you view it completely biblical? Or do you throw in a little of the secular? <laughs> I mean, come on, be honest. We can be honest. There's only one, one truth, and that's absolute truth. Okay. Postmodernism, part of uh, uh, the worldview, says that there are no absolute truths. So what they're saying is if you don't if truth is not universal, then truth is whatever you want it to be. Okay. And that's chaos. Okay. So how do you view the world? A big pardon. How do you view the world? I don't have an opinion. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But how do you view it? How do I view it? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I basically, uh, the father of deception, these, you're either... A, a son and daughter of Jesus Christ, or a son and daughter of Satan. Okay. Don't okay, no, no, let me don't no, let me interrupt you, but I'm going to interrupt you. But John, <laughs> we just but John. <laughs> see, we just established that there are two competing worldviews, 
And I saw heads bobbing up and down. And I had heard some. So anyway, there's heads bobbing up and down. And, and, and there's these two worlds here. How do you view it? Light and darkness. Okay, John views the world in terms of light and darkness. Anyone else? I get lost. Lost and? Oh, we're found. Oh, lost and found. Okay, similar properties to those two. Anything else? Believe and believers. Believers and unbelievers? Unbelievers. Okay, say, okay. All right, that's good. What else? Anything else? How do you view the world? Order and chaos. Order and chaos. (laughs) Okay, you ready? Through Scripture, you view the world through... Oh, here's the Richieism. I like yeah. to use. You know this one, everybody. We all know this one. Here it is. Okay. So we view it through here, don't we? Okay. So I think that that's what you mean. That's how we view it. We view it through the lens of Scripture. All right? That's a biblical worldview. That's how we do it. So be careful. How do you live? Don't answer that. Unfortunately, we probably all (laughs) don't answer the question. Stick our toes in the water. Well, see, because this is important, though, because you have a worldview that is either one or the other, because there's only two worldviews. It's either biblical or secular. There are no other worldviews. It's either one or the other. And you have to decide which one you're going to choose to view. How are you going to view it? Okay? And then it gets a little more personal when we start talking about if it is your view then what? So turn to Ephesians. you got to turn to Ephesians <laughs> 6. We've been there. We're going to hang there tonight. We're going to hang in Ephesians 6. And so we know that the Uh, Verses 10, 11, and 12 is where we have been camping by virtue of these three verses driving our thinking about spiritual warfare. We have to start someplace. We have to start with a biblical worldview. So, Susan, will you just read those three verses, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12? Secularly, because if they're dealing with their struggles, they're going to say, I got it, because my objective is just to be happy. You know, my, I, I want to get rid of this problem because I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. Not a biblical construct. It just isn't. 
But the world would have you want to be happy. And it wants you to have your garage full of stuff. And it wants you to have, and, and I mean, <laughs> really? Right? There's nothing wrong with stuff. I don't have a garage. There's a <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got stuff, Dorothy. <laughs> you got stuff. Got a hug. What? A biblical worldview <laughs> means that you understand the root of your spiritual battles. That's my point. If you have a biblical worldview, you will understand the root cause of the spiritual battles because they come from a fallen world. That's the genesis. And the fallen world is under the control of whom? The enemy. We learned that in the last couple of weeks, biblically speaking. But you just can't blame the devil for everything that's messed up in your life, can you? You can't do it. Why not? Because a lot of it you've done yourself, you've got to take full responsibility for those choices that you've made. You can't run around and say the devil made me do it. You just can't. Now, if you're having a struggle in your life that you contributed to that has a root cause that is quite evil, frankly, okay. But you've got to be honest in identifying where these things come from what the core is, and how you're going to deal with it. Which is what Ephesians chapter 6 is all about. In fact, I would submit to you the entire book of Ephesians, or a letter, is all about that. Because Paul spends a great deal of time before he gets to the last chapter talking about the importance of setting up why we have to put on the full armor of God. And the promises of Christ on the front side of the ground that we that we hang on to before we even get to putting on the full armor of God. So how much time do you spend fighting things that are physical that are really rooted in the spiritual? That's Too a hard much. question to answer. Too much. Too much. <laughs> okay, scale of one to ten. You do it half the time, you do it eighty percent of the time, twenty so it's an interesting question to ask yourself because if you're going through a struggle I submit to you, just stop and say, where is this coming from? A good number of my problems I created myself. It's quite unfortunate. I either did something or said something or believed something or whatever the case might have been. And Satan didn't even have to push me down. I'd done it all by myself. <laughs> You know, you'd think I'd get smarter as I got older, but apparently that's not the case. <laughs> In any event, we see that biblically over the last few weeks that really Satan is real for sure. Satan is real. This is the real deal, this spiritual warfare that we're in. We see that we have been deceived if we've been taking spiritual warfare lightly. So you can say it. I have been deceived if I've been taking spiritual warfare in my life lightly. Satan is the master of deception. And you don't have a complete biblical worldview if you don't believe that Satan is real and he's real deceptive and he's real perceptive of how to get you into a struggle. That's what he does. But Jesus also said in John 10.10 10, that he wants us to have an abundant life. So there's a complete contrast. Satan wants to attack me and Satan wants to steal all of my joy 
And Jesus came, defeated Satan, and we already know that, and he came that we would have an abundant life. Is that about the wildest thing you've ever heard? It's the best thing you've ever heard. It's totally true. Biblically, if you have a biblical worldview, you'll know that you are disobedient. If you're annoyed, if you are if you are ignoring this biblical truth, you are disobedient. And you're also ignoring biblical instruction if you don't believe that Jesus came for us to live an abundant life. And Satan is all about trying to take that away. So it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. But how much have we been given to deal with these issues in our life? Everything. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit. Because we have the Holy Spirit. That's right. Second Peter 1.3 says that we've been given everything that we need for life. Who has a life? <laughs> Boy, you people are like almost, you guys, what, you have dead around here? What? <laughs> I mean, come on, breathe in your life. So, we've been given everything that we need for life and godliness. And godliness, you see. Second Peter 1 3. So, the truth is, is that we, the enemy's really unhappy with that. Okay? The enemy is really happy with the people that are outside the walls that are doing all kinds of things that are not godly and they don't believe because they have a secular worldview that we've already been given everything that we need as believers to have life and godliness 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 <coughs> raises another question are you godly Ooh. are you godly are you living a godly life <coughs> Challenging question, isn't it? Well, it depends on if you get cut off on the freeway or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, a, it's, it's challenging because I think that if we've been given everything that, uh, to, 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 to live, everything for life and everything for, for living a godly life, we have to ask the question then that if we have that truth and that we know everything that we've learned about the enemy over the last few weeks, which, of course, we know that, what, he's your adversary and he is your slanderer. He wants to slander you. And we know that he masquerades around even as the prince of light. Why do you think you do stupid things? Why are you deceived? Because the deceiver, your adversary, masquerades around and it makes, he makes sin look pretty good sometimes. That's why we do it. Our old nature comes out even though the truth is that we've been give, given everything that we need for life and godliness. But sin... Starting with the first person singular. I, 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 I. You ever see that movie, Finding Nemo and the Little Fish? I, 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 I. I don't know if you saw that or not, but that's one of my favorite movies. That's why I remember it. But he masquerades around as the Prince of Light all the while trying to seek you out and destroy your life. That's what he does. And we're told, but have no fear. Even though that's what he's trying to do. You don't have to fear that. So he's absolutely corrupt, evil, lawless, worthless. Yikes. He's involved in every form of temptation. When you are tempted to do something that is ungodly, where do you think that comes from? I think you know. He distorts the truth. He entices us, right? He provokes us. He seduces us. 
and he persuades you into anything that you're going to do that's wrong, that is outside the glorification of God, which is the purpose of your life, he is behind it. He's constantly attacking, we saw last week, he's attacking God's program and his church, he's attacking God's people, and, and, and that's what's going to happen until Jesus comes. That's the way it is. Huh. Sounds pretty gloomy, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds pretty gloomy. And yet, we have to prepare ourselves for the battle. Even though... Notice, though, that we stand. He says, do all this stuff, but you can be able to stand against the whales of the devil. He didn't say, we'll fight the devil, charge... Never said that. That's exactly right. In fact, Scripture tells us that the devil will flee from us. We are never to That's flee right. from the devil. He's already he knows he's defeated. Doesn't he's already he? lost. That's right. And he knows it. Amen. And he knows it. So it's not gloom and doom, you see, because we've already won. And we've won through faith in Christ. Because Christ, you know, Christ, Christ claimed the victory on the cross. And so... That's not gloomy at all. That's really good news. So as much gloom and doom as there is in terms of who Satan is, there's actually really very little gloom and doom when you consider the end result. And yet we're still told in Ephesians to put on the full armor of God. So let's look at how you prepare yourself for the battle. Back to Ephesians. We read those first three verses, 10 through 12 about being strong in God's mighty power, not yours. Because you can't do it on your own. You just can't. <laughs> and then he says in verse 11, to put on the full armor of God. You see that? Everybody's familiar with putting on the full armor of God. Maybe Mike is the only one in the entire room that just doesn't know how to do it. That's not true. Because last week I asked a question. And you know how many hands went up in this room last week when I said, who knows exactly how to put on the full armor of God and how to use it? Not a hand went up. Because we don't do it. We don't know how to do it. I'm going to challenge you in just a little bit to, to tell me how that works. We've all read it. Some of us multiple times. And it's a challenge, isn't it? Until you really dive in in the power of the Holy Spirit asking God for revelation in these areas. So, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, we've read multiple times and talks about putting on the full armor of God because our struggle is not against what? Flesh and blood. I'm not fighting. The hunts and the birds are not fighting. Okay? It's a spiritual battle. It is not flesh and blood. And it is against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world. So we know the world is dark. I mean, come on. If you don't, most, most, even brand new believers in Christ realize it's a dark world because they just came out of it. And they have a recognition filled with the Spirit. They came out of the darkness. And there's, you, see, you see this joy that comes over a new believer almost immediately, don't you? If it's a true conversion of faith in Christ, boy, I'll tell you what, it's like, woo! From dark to light. That's a supernatural thing. I can't even explain how it works. I just know it does. Then, then we get to verse 13. 
There are some very key words and phrases in Ephesians 6 in verse 13 all the way through 18. And I'm going to read it and I'm going to see if you have a pen and you like to write in your Bible, maybe when I emphasize some phrases and words, you might want to circle them or write them down or even remember them. I know that Marvin's the only one that has a photographic memory. Yeah, right. <laughs> So listen to this. This is important. This is God's word. This is God's word. We're talking about spiritual battles. We're talking about putting on the full armor of God. Listen, because this is the beginning of what it's going to look like to learn how to put on. This is where it starts. Verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt. First, the belt of truth buckled around your waist. What? Wait, we have to continue. The belt of truth buckled around your waist. The breastplate. We've all read this a hundred times. The breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of Faith, shield of faith, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit. How often? On all occasions, always. Pray without ceasing, right, Brenda? Pray without ceasing. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. What in the world is Ephesians 6, 13 through 18 telling us? What does it mean? What do these verses mean in practical terms? We've been learning all about spiritual warfare. We've been learning that the battles are real. We've been learning that there's no question that we've probably all taken a little bit too lightly, which is there's no no wonder we're... <laughs> screwed up like a Chinese fire drill. I mean, it happens. These things are happening all around us. This is the world we live in. And we have a biblical worldview, and we've been looking at this quite biblically. And we've been, we've been driving that stake in the ground that, that it's, it's, it's real. And to be honest, we know that it's happening all around us. We've admitted to the fact that most of the time we try to fight these things on our own, and it never works. And yet we keep doing it again. Definition of insanity. We do it over and over and over and over, thinking that we're going to get a different result until we give up and then we come to Christ and say, Aha! Can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Always wait for the crisis to ask for help. When it's available to us on the front side. 
What is it? What's it telling us? We just read it. Put on the full armor of God for, so that when the day of evil comes, you can read it yourself. What does it mean? The tools are there. The tools are there. Be prepared. Be prepared. <laughs> okay, there's two. Okay, all right. That's right. <laughs> Stereo, yeah. Stereo and an echo. Okay, so be prepared. There are tools. How does that work? He's reminding us that he's already given us everything we need. Same thing in 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 Second Peter, Second Peter one three. He's telling us that we've been given everything. It's this sounds very similar, doesn't it? And they're tools. How does that work? It requires action on our part. It requires. Where do you see that? You have to take it up. Oh, yeah. It says put on. This is really interesting because you see, as we're discussing this in real practical terms, the challenge is is that when when Scripture says therefore put on, what do you initially think of when Scripture says put on? Why did I take it off? Okay, what that you might not have had it on. Okay, what else do you think of when Scripture says therefore? Therefore, because all this stuff is messed up. Therefore, put on, because we're in a spiritual battle, put on. What do you think of? Put on. Cover yourself. Cover yourself, okay? What else? John? What are these tools? Where do they come from? Okay, that's why we're here. We're going to ask that question. Let's let's dive into that. Apparently, what Paul's teaching us here (laughs) with this letter is... He's saying to put on the full armor of God. Apparently, this is the beginning of the how-to. Because he's telling us to put on. What are the things that we're supposed to put on? It's equipment. There's equipment here. You see it? It's all. It's not partial. It says put on the full. The full armor. Okay, so there's all of it. So there's equipment. There's tools that we need to use. And apparently, this is the beginning of the how-to portion how many times have you read this? Who can tell me right now exactly how to put on any of these pieces of equipment? Well, you, you should never even have to take off the helmet of salvation, but once you have it, it should stay there. Okay, so so in one sense, some of the equipment stays on. Does that require a special pillow at night when you're wearing that helmet? I don't know. Okay. For me, it's two things. One is in Galatians 2.20. And this is the hardest thing, I think, for people. We talk all around it. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ Jesus. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. For the body I live in now, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. It all starts with a passionate pursuit of the genesis of all these armor God's truth. The first command the first commandment is love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. And what that means is you passionately pursue the truth. To put it in secular terms, the person that has superior knowledge of the facts always wins. And the, the, and I'm speaking for myself now. You're a banker, not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> no, I do a lot of them, That sounds that like lawyer's speaking. But anyway for me, I was lazy. I was a lazy Christian. I went to church on Sunday. I sang a few songs. I went kumbaya. I hung out with a few of my friends <laughs> like Harry. I didn't sleep. You know, I was watching television rather than getting into the Word. And the more that being a follower of Christ is a workbench. You need, we need to have a PhD in this. <laughs> Amen. 
Amen. We actually do have a PhD in this. This is a story. The whole book is a story that God wants, full of what God wants us to know. And part of it, very big, big part of it, is what you're talking about tonight. Exactly right. It's a huge part of it. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in Christ, and in the meantime, there is an enemy that is out to destroy us, and there will be battles along the way, and he's telling us to put on these various pieces of equipment. So specifically, what are the, there are six pieces of equipment that Paul is telling us to put on, and he's about to tell us how as we dig into this, because you know every answer that you need about how to is right here in these few verses. Oh... <laughs> Every answer that we need about how to, what they are, and how to put them on, if the answers are all right here. We have to go anywhere else. That's why, that's why we're only going to look at these scriptures tonight. So, what are the six pieces of equipment that we're supposed to put on? The belt. What else? Helmet. Best plate. What else? Shoes. What else? Shield, I heard somebody say. A sword and shield. There are. There's six things. In order, in order, the belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, the helmet, the sword. That's the order. So, are these things literal that we're supposed to put on? No. No. You know that the that the, there's an art and science to biblical interpretation, and you also know that where you can't interpret the Bible literally, you should. And... This, however, is not a literal interpretation. You do not put on a belt uh, that, is, that is called true, but you put on the belt of truth. What? <laughs> what did I just say? No, you're the teacher. You <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get there. Tina, we're going to get there. So... The armor of God is a metaphor for what? If it weren't a metaphor, you'd be walking around, if we took this literally, outside these doors, and you would be arrested for being a whack job. Okay, we would be a Trojan, and that's bad enough. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the old Trojan Brewer thing again. Get your sword out, Marvin. So what we see is, but what's the picture you see? Protection. Protection. Warrior. Okay. When was this written? Roman times. In Roman times. Do you do you do you know when the first time that the armor of God is first spoken of in Scripture? No. Makes, makes me makes me wonder. Actually, Isaiah. So in Isaiah, it's a totally different context in Isaiah. But in Isaiah, the armor of God is mentioned, and it's really though in the context of of the confession of sin and and God's true justice. Okay, so it's it's not about spiritual warfare per se. Although sin and justice have a lot to do with spiritual warfare. But the first time that it's talked about, the righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet put on uh, his head as a helmet of salvation is spoken about in Isaiah 59, 17. That's the Old Testament. And so what we see, though, is we see that the armor of God is a metaphor. And it is a metaphor for a Roman soldier. Now. We've been building up to this for seven weeks. <laughs> Mike, two weeks ago, asked probably 
the most important question that you can ask about Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, maybe for sure Ephesians chapter six, the last chapter in this in this letter, the church of Ephesus. It's a great question. Because if the six pieces of equipment are just metaphors, that's the belt and the breastplate and the ones that we all named, if those are metaphors, according to, metaphorically, according to Scripture, the belt is true, because it says so. The breastplate is righteousness, the shoes are the gospel, the shield is faith, the helmet is salvation, and the sword, of course, we know that, as we... All that sword around here all the time, don't we? The Word of God. So we have a biblical worldview of that, at least, don't we? Really quiet in here. So we have a biblical worldview of at least that, don't we? Yes. That it's a metaphor. It's metaphorically talking about truth and righteousness and the gospel and so on and so forth. So. I said earlier that all the answers are right here. We're going to answer Mike's question. How do you... How? I want to know how. Don't you just want to know how? Well, before you, got to, before you can answer the question how, don't you got to know what? Okay, so let's, let's answer the what. Isn't there a checklist we can go to? Don't you just want a checklist where you can say, okay, here it is. Don't you just want the... I mean, come on. I saw you shaking your head. Don't you just want to cut to the chase, get the list out that says, in, you know, in the book of Bob, chapter 6, we can just go there, right? And we can pull out the checklist, and we, we get up in the morning, and we say, check, I got that one done. Check, I got that one done. Check, I got that one done. Good to go for the day. Don't you want, don't you want to see that? Remember, That's what we look for. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I asked you a very serious question. I said, one of these Wednesday nights, are you going to ask us questions that can be answered yes or no? <laughs> still waiting. I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> I'm going to ask you for fear it might incriminate. <laughs> Would it surprise you if I told you? Mike, and everybody else that has the same question as Mike. But he was the only one that was brave enough to say, I don't get it, I want to know how. I just want to know how. Because I'm dealing with stuff. Will you just tell me how? I love that. I like honesty, that's great. But would it surprise you if I told you? No, there's no checklist. There's no checklist there. Would it concern you if I told you that this putting on in Ephesians has absolutely nothing to do with some kind of a ritual or a routine of some kind in your, in your life? No checklist, no <laughs> rituals, no routine for putting on. Would, it, would, would that surprise you? Would that concern you? No, it wouldn't surprise me because I don't know how I have it all on, but somewhere along the line I have it all on, and I've never taken it. I don't take it off. Uh-huh. When I sleep, it's there. Still, I'm still protected by all this. Okay. And, and I don't know. Over time, I've put on this metaphor. 
Did you did we just hear what Scotty said? No. No. Scotty said that he doesn't really take it off. You're going down the right path. Now let's take a let's take a look at this here because you see Paul in Ephesians, what he's talking about here is he's talking about this full armor of God metaphorically, but it's a word picture, isn't it? Because you said, and several others said, that this is a Roman soldier. Clearly he's talking to a first century audience, and would they know about breastplates and helmets and swords and would they know about that stuff? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. You don't know much about it because you think it's wacky. It's a costume. No, to them, this is serious stuff. The Roman soldier was very, very well equipped. Well equipped, organized, highly detailed, and you see Paul's writing this to people metaphorically talking about these pieces of armor that need to be worn in the spiritual battle metaphorically, but it meant something to them that it doesn't mean to you, which is why Mike has the question, I don't quite get it. I need the how-to part. And he's going to explain it. Scott is on the right track. Because if we can catch metaphorically that the full armor of God... I want you to listen. That the full armor of God is a lifestyle, not a checklist. Did you hear that? Okay. <laughs> I want to say that again. Putting on, which is why he doesn't take it off. Putting on, we're going to look at what put on means. The full armor of God is a life. You can add style if you would like. It is your life. It is not a checklist of things that you must ritually do. Do you get that? Mm-hmm. We just see that we have. We sometimes we forget we have it. Now we're going to get into the how-to of how does that work? You see, because once you understand that it's not something that I put on, how do I do it? Can you pray yourself into the belt of, of truth? No, you can't pray yourself into the belt of truth, but you can live it. See, there's the difference. See, I love that because somebody asked me the other day. They said, "You know, after you got whacked in the head, and what you know, what did you learn? What did you learn from that?" And I've shared this with you before, and I'm t- I am serious as a heart attack. One of the things that I learned, the thing that got impressed upon me the most, was, "Boy, you do a good job talking it, Burr, but when are you going to start really living it? Is that really your conviction?" Because you're good, you're a studier, you're a student, you're and 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 you love it, you're passionate about it, but you're missing something. You see, the full armor of God is living it. It's living it. You can't study your way into it. You can't pray yourself into it. But you can believe it. And you can, by and through conviction, you can live it. That's the key. Now we can start with that being the key so that we can understand what is the belt you see, it's a really powerful visual aid, these, this equipment that we've got to put on. Okay? It's a spiritual war, you see. This is something that we do. It's not something that we recite. You're not going to find it in a liturgical prayer book. It's not going to be there. Because the full armor of God, we live. 
gift we of God. Live. It's, it's a gift from God. A gift from salvation God. is a gift from God. Your helmet. It's all something parts here, but it's a gift from God. And we just have to recognize that we have it. We have to recognize we have it. Let's take a look at the words here. It says, therefore, put on. What does, what does put on mean? You see, if you take a look at the, in the Greek, if you take a look at that, at that, at that term, you see it's a, it's a verb. And so put on indicates some, some urgency. So putting on means it's a priority, it's urgent, and, and that's why I think that Paul starts with it. It says put it on. Uh, and what else is it? Put, yes, but the put on. When it says put on, that verb, what is that in, 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 in English grammatically? Yeah. A command. It's a command. We're commanded to put on. And put on means it's urgent. It's a top priority. It's important. If something is imminent, go now. He says you better have it on when the whales of the devil come at you. Right. You've got to have it on. Otherwise, what's going to happen? Otherwise, what's the outcome? Harry, what's that? You lose. Your struggle, your pen immediately without it. Get it? If you're not living it, now this is going to be important because we have to look at each one of these, each one of these, these, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Not a tool, what is it? it armor pieces. What? The armor. Weapon. Each one of these weapons that we have has to be put on. You see, because he then says that when the day of evil comes, that's why we have to be urgent about having it on. Because when the day of evil comes, what's the day of evil? Anybody want to take a crack at that? Any day. Any day. Any day is the day of evil. See, the day of evil is coming. You see, that's not a prophecy. Paul, he's not writing prophetically here. What he's doing is he's stating fact. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil arrives... Okay. Get out of bed. Yeah, it could be. It could be because the day of evil, interesting, in the Greek, I can't pronounce the Greek word because I'm not good at Greek, but, I, but the day of evil, uh, interestingly in the Greek, that it means that this, there is going to be this evil. And, the, and the, the word means that it's going to come on a particular day, at a particular time, in a particular way, and it's not a one-time event. Anybody? <laughs> Seriously. That's what the day of evil is. So if you've read this, and this is a lot to get started so that we can understand that what living the full armor of God is, because putting it on is not putting it on. We have to get that. We have to understand that putting on the full armor of God is your life in the context of winning the battles that you are going to deal with spiritually. And if you're losing the battle spiritually, what are you not doing? Putting on the full armor of God. <laughs> Boy, it becomes pretty important to answer that question, man. So what do we, we got to get to that. We just have to get to that. So if you've heard it, you see the battles that you're dealing with, they're all different. Why? Because we're all different. And why else? That's true. Why else are they different? Because we're believers and more important for our battles. Maybe some of our armor might slip a little. Maybe tighten it up more. Well, in, a, in, a, in a sense, in a sense. Okay, no, I hear what you're saying. In a sense. In a sense. Okay. But what about the fact that if you've dealt with something, 
And you try to do it in your own strength. And maybe you've done it three or four times and you go, Poof, I could have had a V8. And then all of a sudden you realize, <laughs> I've got to go to the Lord. I've got to live it. Okay? And the devil will flee from you. You learn that. You now live that. And the devil's got it. He's on hold. He can't go there again. You've already been down that road. But then, maybe you slip. And he waits, and his tactics are such that he's going to find another vulnerable place for you. He's patient, and he's going to wait. So check this out. Sometimes you're totally on top of your game, aren't you? You ever had those periods of time where things were, Woo, man, life is good. Who hasn't had that? Sometimes it goes on for like five minutes. But I think we've been there, you know. It's like everything is just going good, and, and, it's, and, and yet Satan, you know, what's he what's he waiting for? Just waiting for some conflict. Anybody have conflict with? Well, let's start with the obvious ones. Uh, for for the married people in this room, anybody have? To, if you're married and your spouse isn't here, um, so um, uh, ever have a conflict with a spouse? Okay, or maybe one of your kids. I'm sure. No, never had conflict with the kids. Uh, or or your boss. Uh, or somebody sitting in this room. <laughs> oh, no. That's a time when you're really glad you're you got on the whole armor of God is when you get that conflict with your wife. Happy that it, that, it, that he's there because it's always worked. It's always worked. Well, amen. So the point is, the point is, is that Satan is just—he's just waiting. He's very opportunistic, and so, so you've you've just got to be prepared for that because maybe what you've been praying for is something you've been praying for for a really long time that God hasn't answered, or at least He hasn't answered the way you think He should answer. I've been there before, and so what happens in those in those cases as people of faith? What happens? You see, you wait too, don't you? I know people that have been praying for things for 20 years and they haven't got an answer to the prayer for 20 years. And what are they doing? They're waiting because that's what faith does. You see, faith waits. And it's really interesting to me that not only does faith wait, but Satan waits too. Very patient to try to get to you. Very patient to try to get to you. So if you ever wonder if God's really listening to you when you're praying, that's where you could slip, you know. That's where you could slip. Because you've probably heard that little voice in your head that says, oh, God's, No, he's not going to do it. He's not. He's not gonna. He's not gonna answer your prayer. Um, you know. It's. It's. Uh, have you. Have you ever given up? Or doubt. Doubt. Why, why is this all going? Ah, uh, yeah. How long do I have to wait, God? What are you waiting for, God? But I don't mean giving up like giving up like you come to the end of yourself. I mean giving up on God. We do that, don't we? We do that. If we're not careful, we do that. You know, you, boy, you have to be. It's very, it's very subtle. The evil days that Paul is talking about here are those days when we think God really isn't answering. Of course, he always is, but we think he's not. And so we get disappointed or we're discouraged or we're depressed or we're upset or we're angry or we're, I mean, you, you name it. Those are the days of evil that Paul is talking about here in Ephesians 6.13. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, that's all that stuff. He says, you have the ability. Why do we do that, by the way? 
so that you have the ability to stand your ground. Harry was talking about Stand your ground. What's the ground you're standing on? Because we're going to get to this putting on the, the belt of, of truth here in a second because we've got to learn how to do that. What's the ground that you're standing on according to verse 13? Should be the Bible, God's grace. Solid ground. Oh, what solid ground? The solid ground of the truth of God. Okay, okay. Solid. It's a spiritual. There's. It's a spiritual metaphor again, isn't it? So what he's saying is, is that you do all of these things so that you'll be able to stand your ground. That means you don't give it up. Well, you can't give up what you've been given. Now you're going to read the rest of Ephesians, I hope, before next week. And so when you read the rest of Ephesians, so that he really understands putting on the full armor of God, you're going to see what the writer of Ephesians is talking about when he writes this letter to the church because it's really all about the ground. It's about the ground and the territory because he says right here, he says that when the day of evil comes, man, you're going to be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. You see, part of it, you've got to take responsibility for it. Okay, Mike? So the first thing that we got to start with in terms of how to put on the full armor of God is understand that A, it's a lifestyle that you choose spiritually. That's number one. And number two, it requires you to take some responsibility. You see, God's already given you everything you need. Now you have to decide what you're going to do with it. You want to know why you're struggling spiritually and you're going in the tank and circle on the drain is because the drain is because you have not taken responsibility. You've got to take responsibility. It's a cost. He's not going to lasso us and drag us down the road. God doesn't work that way. That's that's not the God of love that I know. The God of love is going to give you everything you need and then afford you the opportunity then to make a choice to do something with it. But if you don't, what are the consequences of that, spiritually speaking? You're going to circle the train. And you're going to do nothing but fight these problems and over and over and over. And you're never going to learn how to put on the armor. So the ground is every bit of everything that Christ has already accomplished for you. That's the ground. You see, that's the territory. It's already been given you. It's free. Provided this is your worldview. If this isn't your worldview, it's still free. You just choose not to appropriate it. But see, do you get it? It's a light. So what's the belt? What's the belt? Yeah, it says still right there. Did I say all the answers are right there? But now, is it that easy though? Ah, we got to dig a little deeper. Let's. We're going to take a look at verse fourteen because, and we're going to look at it. You can just listen because you probably don't have one of those Bibles that has multiple translations in it, unless you're looking at one electronically or you have one of those weird Bibles that has like four translations on each page. <laughs> Verse 14 in Ephesians 6, three different translations. Listen, and we're going to learn how to put on the belt. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, NIV. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, New King James. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, the King James. So girding your loins. 
That's pretty weird, isn't it? To a Roman soldier that Okay, Dale. Dale, can you just can you tell me when the last time was you gurted your loins? So Dale is the only one in the room that girts his loins on a regular basis. I'm just thinking, you know, I don't talk that way. What does that mean? I like the NIV. At least it kind of grabs hold of the thought. It grabs hold of the thought and it says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. That's the best thought. Why is it? Why is the belt the critical part of the Roman armor that Paul identifies first? Why? Oh, the belt holds the sword. That's number one. What else? Truth holds everything together. Okay, the truth holds everything together, but let's just talk about the belt first. Because he's talking about it metaphorically, but it's actually, they're talking about there's a Roman guy standing right there. He's in the corner. He's got. He's in his full armor. He's got the full armor. You can see his belt. He's right there. Look at him. He's right there. You can see his belt. What's the belt? What's it for? To hold everything in place. It holds everything in place. Now, if you understand about the Romans, how did the Romans dress? What did the What did the warriors wear? Like a long dress. Yeah, they didn't wear pants. They had to push it up into the belt so they could run. Yes. Oh. So this is how they're dressed. This is what they wore. So the belt, they had to tuck their 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 all that extra material. Okay, the tunic, they had to tuck it into the belt. That's the first thing that the belt was for. Because if they didn't do that, they'd have all this flowing stuff. Would you like to be in battle wearing a dress? Probably not. So they tucked this thing in. That's what they had to do. And so the belt would hold that that what we would call clothing in such a way that they could run, they could fight, they were it was it was tight enough to do what they needed to do and loose enough not to be a hindrance, right? And so it's a really critical piece of equipment that they had. It also served another purpose. What might that be? Somebody said it. Hold the sword and what else? The weight of the breastplate and what else? You're on it. See, the rest of all of the armor that's talked about here either somehow hooked into or was supported by the belt. I think, personally, just my opinion, so it doesn't carry much weight, but I believe that that's why Paul talks about the belt of truth first, because it was integral. We think about the helmet. Man, I don't want to get back. I think about helmets. I don't want to get in. You know, we think about the about the they're shooting arrows, the breastplate. I don't, you know, that's protecting all my innards, right? And uh, but no, Paul says the belt of truth for the belt was a very important piece of armor. Well, the belt always carries a lot of important equipment anyway. Look at the policeman. Yeah. That's a good analogy. A good analogy. Okay, what's the truth then? You, you wanted to go down the truth road before I was ready. So what's the truth? The truth is the Bible, the Word of God. Yes, the earlier in the letter. That's why you need to read Ephesians. Read Ephesians because, read all of Ephesians because Paul talks earlier in Ephesians a lot about the truth. And what he says is the truth, right to the letter of, 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 of the law here, is that the truth is in Christ. You'll read that in Ephesians. So now, wait a minute. I'm putting on the belt of truth. It is metaphorically the truth of living in Christ. 
That's what it means. How do you put on the belt of truth? By accepting Christ as your Savior, because when you do that, everything else, you become righteous through Christ. Okay, so that's the first thing that needs to be done. If you have a biblical worldview, you must start there. But now we got this how-to question. How do I put on the belt? It's the first piece of the armor in the full armor of God. And it's the most important piece. It's kind of holding me all together and holding stuff together. And, and I'm hanging stuff from it. And, and my tunic is tucked into it. And it's the belt of truth. Okay, and he says earlier that the truth is in Christ, and we and we know that what we're redeemed in Christ. He says earlier in Ephesians, we're redeemed in Christ. What else? We're adopted. We're a, we're sealed. That's a great. We're sealed in the Spirit. We have to choose But before you can have any of it, you have to believe. Okay. Died on the cross for you. Okay, that's that's your part. What does it say? Put on. What is putting on then? Reading the word. Putting, accepting, okay. What else? Putting on. Being obedient. Being obedient. See, the point is, is the putting on part is your responsibility. You see, Christ did all this stuff. Not only for you, but for everybody out there that is lost and in the darkness. He did it for everyone, you see. But you, if you want to know how to put on the full armor of God, you must live first by accepting Christ. That's a given. Second, you have to make the decision. It's up to you. Nobody's going to do it for you. You have to make the decision. And the decision is yours and yours alone. The putting on of the belt is your job. Don't try to put that off on somebody else. Jesus already did it for you, you see. He did all that. See, Lamb, you, you already believe that. That's what you said. You believe that. But the putting on of it, the living in and for Christ, do you do that? Because if you want to start by putting on the full armor of God, and he starts with the belt of truth, you have responsibility, A, because of what he did for you, B, maybe I got this backwards, okay? But you have responsibility. You have to live it. This isn't something you do in the morning when you get up. It's not a ritual that happens at church after you've taken communion. No, it's 24-7. This is your life. You see, and if it's not your life, you're not putting on the full armor of God. Which starts with the belt of truth. The truth is Christ is your Redeemer. The truth is Christ did. Uh, we are adopted into God's family through Christ. The truth is you are sealed. You have been sealed. Sealed by the Spirit. You have been sealed. You see, Jesus did all of these things. Your job is to put on the belt. It's a truth. It's a, it's a, it's a choice. The other part of this word, truth, the belt of truth, the other part of that word in the Greek means honesty. Here's a crazy thing. You ready? Because you've got to understand what the words mean. So it means living in Christ. The truth is Christ. The truth of the putting on the belt is you are going to choose to live your life in and for Christ. If you're not doing that, Ask yourself the question of how you're doing with the spiritual battles in your life. 
Because I'm here to tell you right now, if you're struggling constantly, you are not living for Christ. I didn't say that. That's what Ephesians says. You want to deal with battles in your life and constantly be trying to struggle through them on your own? You are not living in and for Christ. You have not put on the belt of truth of who Jesus Christ is in your life. You haven't done it. Powerful. If you are struggling with things in your life, Spiritual battles in your life. Struggling meaning you are in hand-to-hand combat wrestling and you feel like you're pinned down a lot. You must ask yourself the question, according to Ephesians, if you are living your life for Christ. Are you in Christ? Are you living for Christ? Have you personally taken the belt and put it on? That's what it means. Are you all in for Christ? I mean, that's the best of the vernacular that we can put. Are you all in for Christ? Ask yourself the question. I mean, really, are we all in Christ? That's what putting on the belt of truth means. It doesn't mean that we won't slip because we are human. I mean, we try, right? We're not talking about slipping. Okay. That's called called sin. You call it what it is. It's okay. You can call it slipping. I call it sinning. It's it's sin, but but there's a there's an honesty. That, but but the word also means honesty. It means honesty. You see, because if you if you have a biblical worldview about what this means, putting on the full armor of God, starting with the belt of truth, it means that are you are you in for Christ? That's what it means. And have you decided that you're going to put it on? You're going to live that way. You walk out of the door, and you are not ashamed that you are full on, all in for Jesus Christ because of who He is in your life. And what he did for you. That's what putting on the full armor of God starts with. It gets even more powerful once you once once we start looking at the breastplate and the helmet and the sword and all of these things, and we do this. They do this. So that you can deal with the spiritual battles in your life. And I'll tell you what, when have you ever met somebody that is fully engaged in the full and they have the full armor of God on and, and I'm telling you, there's all kinds of things coming at them all the time. And it's, it's like they're, I call them Teflon Christians. It's like, man, nothing gets to that guy. I mean, they're so in for Christ, it's like, bring it on. Because they're, they're, not, they're not from here. So the, it doesn't bother them. Okay? I'm talking about people that have lost relationships, people that have lost jobs, people that have been, I mean, really hurt. John? Bill, I think when you see the Teflon people like that, I think good experience or that that level of sanctification comes from a lot of testing. And I think Job is a testament to that. There's a lot of things that we struggle with in our life that uh, the Lord allows them to happen because it's a way, we talked about the desert, you know, in the spring. He puts us in those desert to make it, to make us understand where we are and to make us more dependent on Him as we're revealing themselves. Absolutely. I think we have to be really careful when we say if we're struggling with things in our life that, that we don't have the full armor of God. 
maybe maybe he's trying to put an edge on that story that we don't have on it yet. Well, that's true. You got to understand: is God testing us, or is the devil tempting us? You see, there's a huge difference between those two things. And so, allowing the devil to tempt us, and the God, the God may be allowing that to take place because because Satan has very limited power, and God has unlimited power, and we know that. And so, uh, and, and, and you're absolutely right. And so, and, and that's not something we can capture in, a, in an hour and a half, but I can tell you that putting on the full armor of God, starting with the belt of truth, I'm hoping is clear. And what's more, and what's in, 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 we have to add to that, though, we can't stop just there because we have to add the honesty component to this because the word in the Greek means also that there is an honesty component to it. And so when you think about putting on the belt of of truth, it is the truth of Christ, the ground that he has already captured for you. You have the ground. You're not going to give it up, okay? Because you've been given everything you need. And he also is talking about not only the ground, but also honesty. And so if you if you look at that, what does it mean then to be all in for Christ, to live your life in Christ, to live for Christ, and to be honest? You see, because if, if you look at the word, what it really means then is it means that, that from the from the first part of this letter, it means that you've got to be honest with God, yourself, and others. The question is, are you? Because you're not putting on the full armor of God starting with the belt of truth if you're not honest. That's what it means. So now the next question in the component here that is the first component of the full armor of God is, are you being honest? And the next question that I have for you, is it easier to be honest with God, with yourself, or with others? Oh, man. And there's the problem. It, uh, it does get pretty deep. And so, part of those are yes or no. Yeah. That's not a yes or no. No, that's not a yes or no, because I don't like yes or no. So the question is, are you, is it easier for you to be honest with God, with yourself, or with others? Anybody willing to answer that out loud? Probably ourselves. You think yourself? Huh. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. We've got, got a yes, we got a no. You think with God. Why? Well... Because you can always, I mean, that's why we sin, because we're not honest with ourselves. Ah. God knows everything anyway. Oh, because he already knows. He already knows. Uh -oh. What am I well, yeah, uh, what are we hiding from? I think with yourself. <laughs> you think with yourself, too? <clears throat> I think that's really interesting because you have to answer that question yourself. You have to answer that question yourself. But the belt of truth requires you to be honest. And I will tell you that in my experience, it's much easier to be honest with God because if you're a believer, you already know that God knows. It's very difficult to be honest with yourself because the devil will deceive you to the point where the first thing... What happened in the garden with the first incident where we have deception from the devil? What happened? Huh? Yes, sin happened. And then what, what was the, that was the that was the first thing that happened. And how, how did how did humanity deal with with this deception? Because it, it sounded like <laughs> what? <laughs> the blame game. Yeah. Okay, so the first thing that happened was sin happened. The next thing that happened is they wanted to hide. The next thing that happened was they, they, they ran to the river denial. Right? They denied it. They denied the whole thing. Whoa. whoa. Right? It was, yeah. She did it. She did it. God? She, by the way, let me go cover myself. God? She did it. 
total dishonesty. You see, the devil had them. They were wrestling. It was a spiritual battle. If you don't want to deal with those spiritual battles in your own life in terms of being honest with yourself and looking at yourself in the mirror, go to the garden and see what Adam and Eve did when they had the opportunity to... And, it, it, you know, this is really challenging because what happened? Eve thought she was doing the right thing. It wasn't so bad. Well, I yeah, no, it would be, it would, you know... Did God really say? Well, kind of. But, you know, if we'd be, maybe we'd be smarter. I mean, anybody want to take a smart pill? We could be smarter, maybe. Uh, sounds good. Eat the fruit. The next thing that happens is we're here talking about spiritual battles. That's what happened. Because they hid, they denied it, and they played ultimately blame shifting. They just wanted to blame Anybody they could. They didn't want to take responsibility. See the belt of truth about taking responsibility? you got to do something. you got to do something. See, because God already did. Oh. How to means you got to do. Putting on the belt means you got to make the decision. It's your choice. you got to make the decision. Will you sin, Tina? Yes. Yes. Will you... Hide that? I hope not. You might. I hope not. Will you deny it? I hope not. Will you say, she made me do it? Now it really matters all of a sudden, because we can joke, but it really matters all of a sudden. It becomes pretty darn serious business. Because of how it affects you and those around you. Dishonesty with God, dishonesty with yourself, and dishonesty with others affects everybody around you. You see, the devil's already got you right where he wants you. You do not have the belt on. Because you've chose, and you've chosen not to live for Christ. You're doing it in your own strength. By keeping the belt on, I think by... Yeah, we're going to see that as we go through all six of these because this is just the beginning. <coughs> see, we're going through this a little bit laborious tonight because what it has to do is set the tone for what the other components of the armor are. Because if you're not going to live for Christ, if you're not in Christ, you're done anyway. So we have to start there because this is just the beginning of the how-to. Because it's all-inclusive. Because, you see, a Roman soldier never went into battle with just his belt. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. He went in. Why do you say it says put on the full? Because they never put on the part. They were always ready. As a matter of fact, there was only two times when a Roman soldier wasn't ready. When he was being dressed down by a superior. He didn't have his belt on. He just wore a free-flowing robe. That was... When, when he was in that, you don't want to be there, right? You don't want to be in the yeah, Mr. Navy man, you know that. So, you were being dressed down by your superior without the belt on. Or you were in a place of just complete relaxation because there, and it, was, it was opportunistic for you to be there. But I'm telling you right now, you can't relax. In the world of spiritual battles, there, there's, that doesn't mean that you have to be tense all the time. It just means that you have to have the armor on. You don't take it off, do you? Because if you're living it, it never comes off. Once you understand how to put on the full armor of God, you should be able to walk around all the time, 24-7, and you will be protected. 
because you will be in a place to stand your ground because you'll have everything you need. You won't have you won't lack anything. And so the remedy, of course, for all of these problems is that Second Peter one three. Uh, scripture that says that it is His divine power that has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. God is good all the time. All the time. We say that all the time. It's not cliche. It's biblically true. It is a biblical truth that God is good all the time. And you see in Ephesians it says then... Because of God's goodness and because of his own glory, then therefore put on the full armor of God. The first is the belt. The belt requires you to make a decision. So are you going to make the decision? I mean, I'm not, that's kind of a rhetorical type of a question. Are you going to make the decision for Christ? Are you going to put on Christ? Are you going to live for Christ? Are you all in? That's what the writer of Ephesians is saying. Paul wants to know, are you all in for Jesus because of what he did for you? That's how you start with the belt. It's an all in this. You see it? Ooh, see, it becomes all of a sudden very powerful because now you've got to ask yourself some of those tough questions, Tina, which I like, and you, just in your own honesty. Yee! What, what if I'm not? Well, that's, you got, that's between you and God. We're not talking about sin. Okay? I sinned today. Probably all of you all did, too. If you're honest. It's not, this is not a sin thing. What this is, have you made the decision to be all in? for Christ because of your position in Him because of the ground that He already has given you it is your territory freely given to you because of what He has already done you see, that's the beauty of it Harry said earlier yeah no, this is good news this is really good news the question is it's up to you have you decided that because if you're nominal in your faith, you are not putting on the full armor of God. You want to know how to put on the full armor of God? Don't be nominal in your faith. Because I'm telling you, that's what that's what Ephesians says. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you that there are people that are walking through. That doesn't mean you're not saved. We're going to look at that later. But but you can be perfectly saved and be a, live a miserable life and not have any joy because the devil is at you all the time and you're allowing it because you're not all in Christ. Because that's where it has to start. Boy, it's a powerful thing to think about now, isn't it, when you start thinking about all the things that are going on in your life. That doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. You're going to have plenty of them. You're just equipped to deal with them. Because Jesus said, you're going to have plenty of trouble. Lots of it. In fact, you're going to have more when you come to me than before, probably. Because you didn't care before. That's why you got so many problems. The devil's after you. The full armor of God. What is the belt of truth? Somebody tell me. What is the belt of truth? Jesus. Living the life. The choice. A choice. Be more specific. Excuse me. Lifestyle. Lifestyle. Be more specific. What lifestyle? Claim it. You got to make. You got to claim it. All in for Jesus is the belt of truth. Are you all in for Jesus? That's what Ephesians is saying. If you're all in for Jesus, you have started to put on the full armor of God. That's one element. That's only one element. Thank you. You get it. I love it. You see, you've got to view the entirety of your life through the lens of Christ's likeness. The entirety of it. You can't categorize it. You can't go to work tomorrow and be somebody there and somebody different here. 
Christ-likeness is a lifestyle. It's not a checklist. It's not something that you do physically. It is metaphorically the way you live. <laughs> it's the way you live. You see, and it's that part is not that difficult because we find it easy at church to do that. It's out there. Are you all in out there? If you are, then you have begun, just begun, to put on the full armor of God. The next week when we take a look at this, we're going to take a look at it from a, from a point of view of the breastplate of righteousness. What in the heck is that? <laughs> because we've just, we've scratched the surface now in terms of what it means, how to. See, you thought it was going to be a checklist. You thought you were going to pray and that there was going to be some special ceremony and they were going to lay hands. It's not. No, Ephesians, the answers are right there. All in Christ. Living your life that way. That's the beginning of putting on the full armor. The breastplate, then, we'll look at next week. The shoes of the gospel. You have an idea what that means, but do you know what that means? Because this is all part of your life. I want you to read Ephesians, and I want you to think about the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, the helmet, and the sword. And I want you to think about it in terms of not something that you hold on to or put in your pocket or take with you. I want you to think about it in terms of it being your life. Read that. Come back next week, and next week you guys. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all. Next week you guys are going to do most of the talking because what I want to do next week is I want to talk. What? What are the questions you have? What in the world is the breastplate? What does that mean? I'm reading it here, but I can't figure that out. I don't know what it means. I want you to have questions, and I want you to have commentary. Okay? So next week, and you know me personally, this is going to be very hard for me to be quiet. <laughs> but next week, I want to be as quiet as possible, and I want to talk about these other items of warfare these weapons that have been made available to each of us if we just appropriate them and what it looks like in your life. Amen? It's your life in Christ that is the beginning of putting on the full armor of God. Very good. Amen?